What's going on, y'all, and welcome back to the Horse Biscuits Podcast. Today, my guest was Kyle Cadell. He is the owner and the curator of the International Paranormal Museum in downtown Somerset, Kentucky. We lost his audio for about the first four minutes and 50 seconds, unfortunately. Just stupid old studio shit that happens, I guess. Anyways, I asked him about his background, a little bit where he came from. He said he moved back from, he was originally from Chicago, moved back down to Nancy, which is in Pulaski County, for those of you that don't know. I asked him about a couple of the artifacts inside his museum, one particular being a cooling board. He dated it back to around 150 years old, which is really fucking cool. And if you don't know what a cooling board is, it's something they used to lay dead bodies on. Anyways, we're going to pick up from here, and I hope you all enjoy the show. Alright, so uh, you got a, that cooling board from Illinois. Yeah, um, I got that cooling, the, our antique cooling board from Alton, Illinois. Alton, Illinois, which is known as the most haunted small town in America. Uh, every year they have the Haunted America Conference, which is uh, put on by this guy, Troy Taylor. He owns the Haunted America at, like umbrella and like all a good chunk of all the like Haunted West Virginia and Haunted Kentucky. Like all those books you'll see are under this Haunted America umbrella. Okay. So it's a huge collection of writers that talk about, uh, like specifically write about ghosts more than any of the other weird stuff. And uh, this conference is like one of the oldest ones. Uh, like it's, I forget the number, I don't want to say a wrong number, but it's been going on for like over 20 years. And most of these like conferences and conventions and festivals started like at most 15 years ago, you know? Yeah. Mothman started, I think this will be the 20th anniversary of the Mothman it's, Festival too, but... So, that Mothman Festival, they had that at Point Pleasant over there? Yeah, the the Mothman Ple- uh, Festival is in Point Pleasant, West Virginia, down all their downtown. That's and so like, cool. We've been going eight or nine years. The first year we went, there's like 800 people, and last year there's over 13,000 people, so... Good grief. It's gotten to be this massive thing. If you want to go, definitely look at hotel rooms now. So. I totally want to go. <laughs> at least, even if I drive over there for the day because yeah I'm, it's only like five hours from here isn't it uh yeah just maybe a little less than that oh really yeah so. yeah i totally want to go check that out so uh the little dolls in the far left corner they said something about like everything there had like a demonic spirit attached to it or a dark spirit attached to it uh not everything over there but um the in that corner, there's actually a demon box, which is like, okay. Maybe that's a what demon I mean. Into it, yeah. That's crazy. Where'd um, you acquire something like that? Uh, from actually a local ghost hunter here. He was uh, his name's David, and he was on a ghost hunt of about three and a half years ago, and had something attached to him. And uh, him and his ordained minister friend tried everything they could to like get it off of him, uh, like exorcisms, like blessings, like everything they could, and nothing worked, and his health was declining. He was a prison guard at one point and couldn't do his job any longer. Oh, my and, gosh. Uh, like, just kept getting worse and worse, and then they came up with the, the Dybbuk box ritual, basically, which yeah. Dybbuk is an ancient uh, Jewish spirit, um, and this is the only thing that ever worked. So we have the demon box in our museum over there. That is insane. Yeah. So he's gotten much better immediately after he got this thing off of him. And, uh, his baseline when he had, it was like not, he was always nauseous and always had headaches. And like, those are the two most common things that are reported now when people stand like over there, like really more sensitive people. Yeah. No kidding. Yeah. The first time he dropped it off the end of the day one day. And so we just had him put it down. And then the next day, like, I came and, like, rearranged everything around the, the box, like, to make it look nice. Yeah. And, like, that took, like, three minutes. And I was so nauseous that I had to go lay outside for, like, 15 minutes. Are you serious? Yeah. And then my one employee came in. I didn't tell her. And she started dusting and got over there and immediately started complaining of getting a headache. So I was like, all right, you don't have to dust today. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> That's insane. Yeah. I know uh, my Aunt Connie, she hunted ghosts and stuff like that for a while and i went with her up to waverly hills to check that out and uh we did this little house um below uh pc pc high school is this little brick house uh her buddy said that his dad or something died in there can't really remember but we went in there and did an ep and got got a little hit in there and stuff so i definitely have my fair share you know of paranormal activity i swear i've lived in some haunted houses before of course i told you my goblin story yeah you know (laughs) (laughs) you've heard about that and you know 
uh, something stranger on there, something out of this world, obviously. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely not natural. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, what what was the one thing that kind of like drew you to like this lifestyle, like this, you know? Well, I was always I was pre predisposed to this when I was younger. My favorite shows were like The X Files and Star Trek: The Next Generation and Unsolved Mysteries and stuff. So I grew up always on this kind of stuff, but a lot more on the skeptical side. I didn't really believe it, but I was fascinated with it all. No, the guy that owns the Paranormal Museum was a yeah. skeptic. <laughs> I, I'm still, I still consider myself an open skeptic these days. Would you consider I, that like good practice for this type of thing? Yeah, it's always better to... I mean, you don't want to... There's a happy medium, I think. If you're too set on disproving all this stuff when you're going into it, uh, you're closing yourself off. And I definitely think that intent has a big factor in like finding evidence or even like following good investigation like you can't be biased one way or the other you know yeah and so that's why i consider myself an open skeptic i don't want to disprove any of this i want it to all be true but i don't want to trick myself into thinking it's all true see i think a lot of people have a hard time with that is you know you don't want to disprove it but you want to go that route to where you almost would. Yeah. You know exactly. what I'm saying? And we yeah. want it all to be real. I want, you know, yeah. all this stuff to be real. And, you know, I've had s- some things that have happened that they seem more than real. Exactly. You know? Yeah, we, um, yeah, so I always watch that kind of stuff. And then when uh, it got to be high school, or when I was in high school, there started to be shows like uh, Ghost Hunters and stuff. Oh, yeah. And my friend Zach and I, like, got obsessed with these shows zach has a similar story that he loved that kind of stuff but he was probably even more skeptical than i was and um because we lived in somerset at the time we didn't drink like there was nothing to do uh for high schoolers so we went out and started ghost hunting and it took about three months before we had uh one specific encounter like enough weird stuff happened that we were starting to question but one specific uh encounter made us um like completely believe like stuff we had we recorded an evp at a at our downtown somerset cemetery basically we were out there to scare one of our other friends this is a couple months into ghost this was the big cemetery right downtown there yeah our huge one there mind me i want to bitch to the cold (laughs) um and uh we were uh out there one night basically just scaring one of our friends showing them what we've been ghost hunting and stuff and we had an evp or an audio recorder going uh, and Zach tried to take a picture of me, and the batteries died in his camera. And on the audio recorder, you can hear him say, Kyle, I don't think it's going to take it. And then fast forward to being home, we're listening to the tape, and we actually hear a female voice break in and mock him and says, going to take it. Oh, and, wow. So we're like, all right, that's weird, and that, that was definitely cool. the best evidence we had so far. But then within uh, the next week, both Zach and I at our houses independently heard that exact same voice say our names like my story is i was uh it was old enough or long ago enough that there was a computer room like a family computer you know yeah and uh i was on it at like three o'clock in the morning and i was like turning off itunes i was just getting ready to go to sleep and from the doorway i heard that voice go hey kyle and so, like, I immediately turned iTunes back on and, like, was up for another couple hours or oh whatever. Oh, my gosh. And the next day told Zach about it, and, like, he immediately told me that something similar happened in his bedroom a few nights before, you know? That's so crazy. And so that really was the turning point. Like, we definitely believe it's all possible. Oh, I know it's all possible now, um, but we still, like I said, op- like, open skeptic. We don't want yeah. to be gullible, you know? But you, like, after that experience, you kind of went more actively hunting th- exactly. uh, things of paranormal nature? Yeah, that was really the kickstart of it, like, just changing from, like, a fun thing to do on Friday night because there's nothing else to do Yeah. to, like, our activity, our hobby, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, so, what, besides, like you know what got you started into it since then like what's been kind of the craziest thing you've ever came across um well i don't i mean it depends a couple years in on a ghost hunt actually we saw uh a ufo like in the middle of a ghost hunt it was a green light that was flying over highway 27 um it was definitely like higher than a helicopter but like not as high as an airplane would be yeah and it was like slowly hovering going north over 27 and kind of stopped at the end of the town and then immediately started going south and like 
it did this back and forth over the town for about 15 minutes and we watched it and then it just stopped and like half a second later just shot off uh west and we couldn't see it anymore i totally believe that yeah (laughs) i mean you see the bob lazar photo i totally believe in the ufos yeah that's definitely like that's the first thing that um like we saw like that was not like we were super focused on ghosts and like didn't even think about other paranormal stuff or yeah really at this point i think it's all related but we weren't anywhere close to that I, at that I, point i kind of agree too with like the connectivity of everything yeah like you know sometimes you might have somebody to report uh a haunting but it could have been something from you know extraterrestrial activity or anything like exactly. that exactly yeah there's a lot of um a lot of cases where a ufo has been seen in an area and a few days before that and after that poltergeist activity has been occurring That's so it. like there's a lot of I don't know. There's a lot of cross UFO Bigfoot sightings and, and different things like that. So. Have you been on any Bigfoot hunts? Yeah, I've been on a few. We have an area on Green River, actually, that we believe that there's a, a, a Bigfoot population. And then actually here in the county, we've we've found a huge collection of uh, Bigfoot stick structures somewhere. Oh, no um, kidding. Yeah. we In like about an acre, there was every example of like a Bigfoot stick structure from arches to the asterisks to the... Uh, um, X's and like there's like nine different like types that are usually re- like attributed to Bigfoot and they were all there. Now what are these things exactly? You're uh, they're Bigfoot stick structures. They're um, they use sticks and like actually make things. Yeah, and in some of them, like I don't know, people argue that it is like storm damage or natural tree falling, but you can usually tell the difference. Like yeah, uh, a lot of times there'll be a huge tree that has fallen and it's like almost weaved through several different trees on the path to where if it had fallen in nature, like it absolutely would have just hit one of those and bounced off and not have been like anywhere, you know? That's crazy. And um, then there's asterisks where it basically just looks like, and it's called an asterisk piece. It looks like one. There's just a whole bunch of sticks put together um, like in a, in a form that's either hanging in a tree or on the ground. Uh, there's a similar one called TPing, where it literally is just a bunch of tr- sticks leaning, leaning towards each other. Um, an X is usually a huge X that's sometimes uses a tree that's already fallen, and then will prop another tree up against it, like to make a giant X. And that's like one of the more common ones. They think it's a way to either mark the territory. Or, I don't know. Uh, I think the craziest idea I've ever heard about that I kind of like is that these are somehow... Well, I believe Bigfoot are from another dimension. Yeah. And so that these Bigfoot stick structures are somehow a way to either summon them or to open their portals to get back to their own dimension. Oh, that's cool. Or something yeah, I like, like that, that thought. Know? Yeah, but see, yeah. I, I was going to ask you, actually, if you thought they were like something that was, you know, been around for millennia or was from a different dimension because... I don't. I don't really know. Like I've seen some weird stuff out in the woods, and I've definitely seen trees like X, you yeah. know, like huge pine yeah. trees knocked over in formations that don't make any sense. And like you said, you can tell when something like happens in nature. You know, a natural cause. It doesn't have any linear structures to it at all. Exactly. And then you could sometimes you see like sticks out in the woods and stuff, like these big logs, and they're like perfectly linear. It's exactly. weird. And you're like, how that happen? You know? Yeah. <laughs> and things that are so big that. It, a human couldn't have easily done it you know yeah or like huge breaks up in the trees like breaks 15 feet up there's no other way for that to happen uh and you can specifically tell if it's been break broken and twisted or if a storm has knocked it off you know yeah clear difference you know yeah uh i've definitely seen a ton of that too and uh what's crazy is that uh we was down camping last year in Stearns area mm-hmm. uh, down towards Tennessee line and uh, there was this Bigfoot paranormal uh, like gathering of people there oh really these Bigfoot hunters yeah and actually I was hunting with Ryan and Beatty from the Lord 20 podcast yeah. and uh, they went over and did some talking to them and stuff and they said that like this that area there and like up through here is like a real hot spot for like Bigfoot activity and Sasquatch and stuff. oh that's awesome and that's another thing is like it's like Bigfoot and Sasquatch is that the same thing? Like, or yeah, is that? Um, 
Bigfoot and Sasquatch are both made-up terms. Uh, a lot of people think Sasquatch is a Native American term, but it's actually based on several different uh, Native American terms, the, the closest of which was Sasquatl. Sasquatl. And, like, both of them are made up by white white dudes, and they, <laughs> like, Bigfoot wasn't around until the 50s. Sasquatch was around a little bit before that. But before that, all areas called them, like, their own nomenclature like here we call him the wild man and he we referred to him just as the wild man that came out and like most of the kentucky area uh referred to him that way in like georgia they called him the woodburg wood booger which wood is booger. really really where the boogeyman comes from oh really yeah so, so is that derives from that yeah exactly okay. that a booger was like a like a scary thing you know like yeah wood booger and then there was uh, other types of boogers that were like spirits you know yeah um but yeah wood booger um in florida he's called the skunk ape which actually there's a photo of him and he's it was uploaded to the miami dade sheriff's department and um you can check it out online but he looks a little bit more orangutangy than you normally think of like kind of longer looking. appendages yeah and stuff he's like that. in the shot he's like hunched over yeah like he has definitely a hump to him you know yeah what it's, do you what do you make of like most of the footage and stuff you see out there of like bigfoot like obviously the one from the 60s or what was that like yeah 70s? Uh, october 67 the patterson gimlin footage yes yeah. that's it yeah, yeah that's still the best footage that we have we can digitally clarify it better than they thought we'd ever be able to in the 60s and we can actually see like while she's moving uh because it is a female uh but she has a hernia in her right leg that her uh muscles are moving around really? and like at the same time hollywood was filming planet of the apes so that was the best kind of monkey costume they could come up with they could barely even talk and stuff yeah and so it would have been physically impossible to fake like a hernia with muscles moving. oh for sure because they know? barely even had the mouse moving exactly. on the old planet of the apes movie you know <laughs> so it like that's still the best evidence we have um and i don't know there's obviously if you get super conspiracy theory about it the government after they saw the patterson gimlin footage decided they better start you know censoring all this stuff and that's why you can never find a good one makes Uh, sense to me yeah but there's also like i said i think they're interdimensional so i think that by their very nature like a lot of cryptid sightings and alien sightings and all this kind of stuff the details are fuzzy like literally like you can usually focus on the eyes even with the mothman the the eyes were the most direct thing that people focused on and then once you get further away from the eyes it almost seems like the body's details change you know like uh with the goblins or anything like that yeah and like brad steiger wrote in uh one of his books with his wife that like the idea, or maybe it was from one of the stories he collected in one of his books. I, I don't. It was definitely in a Brad and Sherry Steiger book um, that maybe the eyes are really the only physical manifestation, and the rest is like a psychic imprint from these creatures. You it, know? Oh yeah. And like, I never so, even thought of this. Yeah. Like so that. <laughs> really, like that's why. I mean, there's multiple reports of people, like a group of people, and some of them see a UFO, and some of them don't, like in an area, and it's because it's like part of it is just a psychic imprint from this other stuff you know yeah that that, like you can't necessarily like not everyone can see the same dimensionality you know yeah i i have this crazy theory that like you know everything exists on this their own planes but at times they all intersect and that's when you have like strange uh things that happen and paranormal you know visits and stuff like that Um, it's kind of out there but you know john keel uh talks a lot which i'm a big follower of john keel he talks about window areas and like point pleasant west virginia was one of them specifically in the 70s uh if you're keeping up with the hell you stuff they kind of claim that right now somerset's one of these window areas um Um, but the like basically it's just a thin spot between two dimensions where things can come or like enter and exit easier so it it makes so much sense though i mean if you believe that there's other dimensions and stuff i know a lot of people are like oh you know they don't believe in anything right most of the time yeah only what they can see but yeah exactly but if i want to believe yeah then i want to believe that there are like a billion other dimensions there's, exactly it, you know there's a multi-universe and all these things considering we really don't know the concept of time or space to, yeah to 
an extent, why can't they cross, you know? Exactly. And really some of the best working, like, scientific unifying theories right now are, like, super string uh, theory where there, uh, there have to be multiple, like, dimensions where our matter is interacting in almost in the exact same way it's interacting here. You know, yeah. meaning it would be not necessarily copies of you and me, but copies of humans with the same attributes and uh, like a very similar earth, you know, like yeah. that it's the same particles moving. So like, this is something that literally the scientists today read about in comic books in the seventies and sixties when they're growing up and now are working on theories that help prove that this is ha- like very possible uh, possibly the nature of the universe you know my my definition of science fiction is just uh things that haven't ha- came true yet yeah because i believe science fiction comes from our minds right yeah you create it okay well name you know you could take a whole list of things that have been in sci-fi movies and tv shows from decades ago that are real as shit now yeah i mean yeah and it's what's (laughs) weird is it gets to be this weird like incestuous circle where like writers that are nerdy (laughs) i mean no offense but like writers that are into science fiction will come up with these crazy things like Star Trek even I love and Star then Trek. <laughs> people will grow up watching it that grow up to be scientists and make things based on that you know yeah. like so it's like almost a self-fulfilling prophecy you know like even the all the ideas of iPods and 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 stuff were based completely on the pads in Star Trek and uh, the computer yeah. there with all the information, you know. Yeah, I, like it's a weird circle now. Well, like the food synthesizer is basically, you know, the roughest model we have actually made is the three D printer. Exactly. Because yeah. now we can use actual organic substances to print things with. Exactly. Just like yeah. hearts. So they've made a heart somewhere in some lab, you know. Yeah. Out it's, of it's tissue. It's so crazy, you know, and. Like, the most far-fetched thing that they always said in Star Trek was the transporter. And really, the transporter, like, it was a late addition because uh, Gene Roddenberry wanted the Enterprise to land every episode on the planets, but it would cost way too much money, so they just came up with the transporter. But then, even years ago, uh, in a lab, I forget where, um, I forget all the details, but um, (laughs) they were able to, like, transport one single atom like in in a room like transport it and like so even that the most far-fetched thing in star trek quote unquote is maybe one day possible you know so i i actually remember reading about that yeah like i said i'm a huge star trek fan yeah i have been since i was a kid i also like star wars but star trek is more like long form science fiction if that's what you like yeah and i like that it's very world creating you know i agree like star wars is awesome especially the original trilogy i don't really keep up with it anymore yeah but like it was great to create this whole universe in three movies well even like beetlejuice huge world for just an hour and a half movie yeah and like it was awesome (laughs) but star trek like really gets into the minutiae of like the laws and like what planets are where and then it's all based on reality like a projected version of reality where like they're on earth and like the alpha quadrant is where we would typically like first expand to and like you know it's like just so well thought out and like a good like thought exercise for what the future could be you know yeah oh yeah i was watching uh episode not too long ago where they discovered an exoplanet and they went up to it you know and it was like a giant steel uh planet-sized dome yeah. and when they went in it was actual world in there and the people yeah. in there had been suppressed for many years and didn't know you know, yeah, exactly. But their ancestors were traveling colonists from another uh, galaxy, or yeah. something like that. It was, it's so cool. But I always think of things like that in like Star Trek, and you know, like uh, just a lot of science fiction and the older shows that I watch and stuff. I'm like, oh man, we had that today. Like it doesn't look as bulky as that. Yeah. It actually, looks way better. Yeah. But like you were saying, the little pads that they used in Star Trek to you know type on and stuff. Yeah. That's our communicators or cell phones. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Like, it's crazy how it's gotten to be, I don't know. And, of course, there's the idea that Gene Roddenberry knew, like, some of what the future would be because he 
but he was familiar with the nine which i don't know if you're too familiar with them no, it's these channeled entities it's a very interesting thing that i don't know a whole lot about <laughs> but he ended up basing a lot of things in star trek on these ideas of the nine and like all these like giant archetypes of like you know gods even that like there's the one original one where they go and meet uh adonis or like some greek god and like he's just an alien but he really thinks he's a god because of all the power he got from the belief of the human beings you know so he still acts like he's is a god and then he's mad that kirk and them don't worship him you know yeah And, and like it was very clumsily handled in the 60s of course but like that's a very deep thing you know like that he was as disappointed in his children as they were as disappointed as these gods were these like creeps just like sucking all the belief energy you know oh yeah it was very like i don't know weird you know yeah and yeah he he got a a lot of his ideas from not exactly magical sources but things similar to that you know and like even the idea of the nine is like a really crazy thing the nine are these nine intelligences that were ch- channeled and were kind of the basis for a lot of channeling that's happened since then and like are always seem to be lurking in the background and i don't know you know when thing. all that came about like the uh, nine? i think the nine was i could be wrong here i think it was like the 40s like really? so it was something that gene roddenberry would definitely be familiar with you know yeah uh could have been the 50s it was somewhere around there so kind of like around like Roswell time stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah. See, that's like kind of like those windows you're talking about, you know. Yeah. Well, 67 is a I don't know. I have to think about 1967 because you know the majority of the Mothman sightings happened during 1967, uh including the bridge falling in December uh in October of 67 is when the Patterson Gimlin footage was done and summer of 67 was also the summer of love where millions of people are for the first time in thousands of years like focusing on love and like meditation and peace and promoting this kind of stuff yeah uh i mean obviously that's an idealized version of exactly what happened (laughs) you know it's like in their minds they thought they were making the world a better place you know and so it's so weird to think of all those things that just coincide with each other and like what if the like what was going on at that point you know uh psychedelic drugs for (laughs) sure (laughs) well and those that absolutely like can open portals to these other places i totally believe that you know shamans have been doing psychedelic drugs for as long as there's been shamans you know oh yeah and that's just accepted that yeah they're going like you you do ayahuasca and you go to the land of your ancestors you know like that's just a yeah like that's what happens all you know? that interests me a lot yeah. uh, especially like you know seeing the interdimensional beings that you know rip up rip out bad parts of you and they replace it with good you know spirits and stuff like that yeah. like all that it's not just talk it has to come from somewhere i yeah. believe just like um you know uh when people tell stories about uh ghosts and stuff like that like you know personally i think it's like planes crossing and you know either somebody's connecting out to you or you know you're reaching out for them which i've always heard if you're reaching out for things it's never a good thing unless you're with a shaman or something like that yeah because that's when like bad things like to attach themselves to you yeah and there's definitely that thought like for david even like but i'll be honest nothing like that's ever happened to me and i think part of it is like getting back to intent you know like i think if you believe enough to give these things power that they'll have more power over you you know like and i don't know if it's that i mean i've always been kind of a tongue-in-cheek like things are funny to me more than like serious you know and so we've even taken that like we're serious on ghost hunts but we still approach everything with kind of a laissez-faire like tongue-in-cheek like not take it too seriously because then you'll get wrapped up in something you know yeah and so we think that that's actually or i think that that's actually part of what helps like protect you is that you don't like I think if you're constantly in fear of like 
when you're going out on ghost hunts, like, yeah, demon's going to get me and attach. Like, the, that's like a magnet, almost a beacon for it. That's kind of why I kind of stopped doing it, because I always had this fear in the back of my head that, like, you know, I'm going to look down the wrong hallway yeah. with this feeling inside of me, and it's going to latch stuff to me, yeah. you know. And especially now that i got kids, I'm like, okay, I'll go, but I'm going to, you know, yeah. take my distance to it. Yeah, and I definitely think that that has a lot to do with it, like, your own mindset like like attracts like you know and there's a lot more of a psychic ability than i even recognized when i was younger i like psychic ability is one of the last things i even thought was possible even when i was starting the museum i was still at a place where almost every psychic i had ever met was an idiot and like (laughs) i didn't you know like (laughs) but i'm now at like i don't know i we look at things much more in, like I said, the paranormal unified theory line, which there's not a paranormal unified theory, but like that there could be, and that there's that all this stuff is interconnected, and that a lot of it has to do with your own perception, and that reality can change based on your perception, and like that's why anything that's ever possible happens because it's possible. You uh, know? I believe that. I was actually uh, me and him were talking the other night about like uh, like when you hit a deer. Like, does that deer come into existence when you think about it hitting your car? Or yeah. And he was like, well, what if the deer thinks you into existence because it wants to hit your car? And I was like, <laughs> I don't know, man. Any of it could be true. I exactly, don't know. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I definitely think that, I don't know. I, I believe that we're all consciousness. Like, we're, I it's different than, you know, the classic selfish psychological thought is like, I am all that exists. And like, I close my eyes and you guys... Like, this room isn't even here because my eyes are closed, you know? Yeah. But I think it's a little bit more than that because I I do believe that that's some aspect of that's true, but I also believe that you're as an equally valid consciousness as I am, and he is as well. So maybe if all three of us closed our eyes and thought this room didn't exist, it stopped existing. But, like, I think that we're all valid and all together we make this collective reality, you know? Uh, I yeah, I could see that. I've never really thought of it that way, but I could totally see. And even, like, right now, like, I think things get worse because people think there's a possibility of them getting worse, and they start feeding it with their fear. Like the uh, coronavirus. Yeah, exactly. Something like that, you know. Yeah, where it's, like, a serious situation, but it can get more serious because people are always, like, focusing all their energy on it right now. Yeah. You know? And so it's almost giving it like a breath a breath you yeah, know it gives it life it exactly feeds it. Yeah. <laughs> so i i mean i definitely i'm not you know i'm not 100 percent new age i think if you have cancer you should go to the doctor i don't sure. think that you can just think that cancer way i definitely you know i want to make I, sure i'm not crazy you know yeah. but i do think that there's a healthy part of reality that's based in our own minds you know yeah yeah i uh I, I don't know. There's so many things out there, like, when it comes to, like, magic and all this kinds of stuff. You never, nobody really knows what reality is. Exactly. I mean, we can define it to the best we can, to, like, down to atoms and stuff like that. Yeah. But how sure are we really what all is real and what's not? Exactly. You know? And that's the thing with, like, psychedelic drugs and uh, things like that. Like, do you see the reality for what it truly is or are you seeing other dimensions just like you know when people get have like really big religious things happen to them like are yeah. they crossing over yeah like, and there's an idea that all of those states of mind are similar that like even a schizophrenic person's mind is set up basically the same way as someone that's tripping's mind is you know that like tripping's a temporary for, version of psychosis psychosis you know yeah and so like the shamanistic like people that meditate and don't eat and like they're altering their minds they're just not taking drugs you know but yeah. it can alter the minds in the exact same way you know that's it's all so cool so i want to talk what what you can about what the internet wants to hear from you which is <laughs> what what brought you to the the goblins and kind of like the you know all that dark stuff that's going on what kind of led you into that um personally well yeah uh so of course like i said we started ghost hunting in somerset and this is where we live but we've also thought that this is also 
a special place, you know, that mm-hmm. things are always different here. And, like, even, I don't know, there's always been such a plethora of, like, Bigfoot sightings and UFO sightings and uh, ghost haunted places and true crime and conspiracies and cult rumors and all this stuff in this small county of 100,000 people? What? No, 80,000 people, you know? Yeah. And we've always thought that that was so strange, very Twin Peaks, that, like, we have this small-town veneer that everything seems to be normal, and then there's a giant hiccup where our <laughs> sheriff's murdered uh, <laughs> in this crazy bid for to try to get the office that's foiled immediately, and it, everything's crazy for a month, and then it all goes back to normal in this sleepy little small town, you know? Yeah, it's super storybook. Yeah. By the way, you cold or anything? Man? No, I'm good. Are you sure? Yeah. Okay. I, um, I know, don't have no heat, but... <laughs> <laughs> um. But yeah, so, like, we've always really thought, like, we've been everywhere investigating, but we've always thought this was a weird place, you know? Do you believe this is like a gate, like, Somerset is like a gateway to, like, more activity? I think that every place is magical, but I definitely think that this place is closer to some liminal other world than, than others, you know? Like, the... The Appalachians have always been um, a very, like, magical and, like, deep place. Like, even most magic rituals and and most magic thoughts are about, you know, nature and everything. Well, fairies and exactly. things like that, that nature. Yeah, and so, like, that's literally getting us back to, like, the very basics of humanity. And I think we're closer to that, and we've always been closer to that. Uh, in this area, you know, and like we still, I mean, yeah, the desert's still powerful, you know, but I think that life has something to do with it, and we're such a rich abundance of life. Oh, for sure, definitely you know? here, yeah. And like, I think we're just close to this liminal sp- spot, and you know, I've not always lived in Somerset, I've lived uh, when I moved here in 98, uh, and then in 2000s seven or eight i moved to lexington for a while then i lived in whitesburg uh, which is eastern kentucky and i moved back here and um here's just always been different you know and i never planned on settling down here especially when i was younger i hated it here but there's always been a drawback and like now i'm i have all these ties here and (coughs) of course i'm always been into this weird stuff even when i've had not weird normal jobs you know yeah and have lived different places i've always tried to collect stories but it's never seemed to be as rich as pulaski county you know that's awesome and um we just uh me and my friend nathan have just always talked about this nathan's actually a relatively new friend we just really met last year um we met the year before but we really started hanging out last year and he is a very interesting character he's also not from the area um but he's super into all the uh high strangeness yeah and like true crime and like a lot more the tangible weirdness than you know i've i've gotten into where i just like there's certain parameters of weirdness that i look for that are pretty wide you know but like it's monsters and miracles and like ghosts and and this stuff and like nathan focuses on individuality and like this the strangeness of a personal belief and his big thesis about the area because he's came to the same conclusions we have is that it's a very strange place but his thesis is like is it the people here making the place strange or is this place strange and it's making all of us weird too you know yeah because we have a high amount of uh you know weird like strange characters eccentric people um mental health you know like we have a lot of different people here in a in a small town and we we had the highest murder rate in kentucky yeah throughout the whole state (laughs) yeah i looked up the whole map and it's a big hot spot right over (laughs) somerset i mean it's crazy yeah it's absolutely insane that I don't know, Somerset just has all this. And so we've always, like, kind of thought about that in our investigations and stuff. And, of course, like, uh, before the museum ever started, we were 
still focus like my friend Zach and I would give local ghost hunting 101 classes or like take people out on ghost hunts locally or like organize trips to go to Waverly or like you know we yeah. we did a lot of this kind of stuff before we ever had the museum we had our own podcast for a long time we started working on a tv show that we we're going to put on youtube of us just investigating oh, really? like we've always been into this kind of stuff that's cool and then um the museum was just the perfect opportunity for us. And so how'd you even come across being able to do something like that? I mean, really in the very beginning, we were just looking for a display case, uh, some building we could put a display case in for October of some of our spooky stuff. Yeah. And then that like completely evolved into the idea we have now we're in the, we're in the Carnegie building, which when it was the library, it was the first like open business that ever let us come in and do a ghost hunt, like a full ghost hunt in. Oh, for where real? Where we looked for little Back Mark Back when Thatcher. it was the library. Yeah. Okay. And so it was, it's always been special to us. Like in, in addition to that, we grew up playing in the library. Oh, like, uh, yeah. And like, so that was always the number one place for us to be able to open. And the time was just right for us to be able to do it here, which I really don't think this town would even have put up with it uh like six years ago you know like, i think you're right yeah, yeah. <laughs> especially <laughs> like when we were dry i don't think there could oh, no. have been a, plas- or a paranormal museum in plasky county well i know a lot of people that have always been interested into like researching paranormal stuff like that yeah. and to now that the fact that we had the inter- the international paranormal museum right yeah. in our basement <laughs> exactly <laughs> i love it man yeah and it. so We've always been into this weird stuff, and I've always kind of had a pulse on the weird Kentucky stuff. And so even back in 2013 or whenever the first uh, Planet Weird articles started coming out about um, the goblins, like the Kentucky goblins, I was hooked, the new ones. You know, yeah. of course, there's the Hopkins, the Hopkinsville goblins from 55 that were, is one of the most well-documented cases uh, in Kentucky history. Uh, the CIA doesn't investigate uh alien and alien stories ufo encounters but they investigated one and that's hopkinsville goblins they no sent shit. they sent this guy down that's actually a stage magician what? and uh <laughs> and had him investigate oh, so it's very strange um but yeah so when we first heard that the the goblins might be back and that this guy in eastern kentucky had these aliens coming out of his uh abandoned mine shaft on his property we're like oh this is crazy and um i i mean i've incorporated that story into the museum over the years and like when we talk about weird stuff and then of of course that eventually evolved into hellier uh and season one came out and i was hooked i thought it was awesome and especially i thought it was great for the lore of kentucky you know like it was (laughs) like i literally have a paranormal museum in kentucky where i talk about weird stuff all over but try to focus on local stuff and here it is a brand new awesome documentary about our backyard you know dude that's what's insane to me especially you know i watched the first season i was uh same as you i was hooked yeah and then you know i seen uh the second season and it blew my mind that it led to our town yeah that but now you know everything that i've seen in your museum and all the things that i've heard just you know sitting up there talking to you and nathan about this town yeah why not why wouldn't it lead to this is literally like the spear tip (laughs) yeah yeah it was amazing like um as i said i lived in whitesburg which is in letcher county the same town or the same county that Jenkins is, where they're in that cabin in season yeah, one. Yeah, I remember and that. And, like, the best UFO sighting I've ever seen was when I was over there. It was, like, within 500 feet. And, like, so when I eventually, like, I had met Greg and Dana at uh, CryptidCon a few years before and talked to him about the museum and stuff. They were, like, very honest-seeming, like, definitely honest-seeming people and, like, legitimate and i thought it was awesome that they had a traveling museum you know we talk about whatever yeah and um then in august or september i can't remember of last year uh greg messaged me on facebook and was like hey we're gonna be stopping through um do you mind if we come by the museum and it's like no of course not so you're the one that like when you started talking about the town you kind of hooked them into kind of investigate somerset more no they well here let me tell you this way because we didn't know like so he messaged me and said we're going to come through and check out the museum 
Uh, and I said, yeah, absolutely. And he comes through with all of who we know as the Hell Your Crew now, Greg, Dana, Tyler, Connor, and Carl. Yeah. Um, and they check out the museum. We talk about weird stuff. And I was really excited. Uh, I was really excited to um, tell him about like living in eastern kentucky and like my ufo sighting and like all this stuff that they were investigating in season one yeah and uh like of course like i thought that was awesome you know and yeah, and sure. so i i did i told them about that and they were interested but then they really like they started asking me more questions about somerset and i'm like oh okay and like they asked me if there's cult rumors here and i kind of laughed i said well yeah we have a bunch of cult rumors and uh these secret parties where uh people have sex with kids and all these rumors that we've heard literally our whole life growing up here you know yeah um and, we, i've heard them too yeah and so like it, yeah it's not like i was telling them secret rumors right like, it's the norm around yeah here. Uh, we had heard like yeah there's this cult activity and yeah uh at one point our sheriff was murdered uh and like yeah there, we have these unsolved murders from 25 years ago that have been really fishy yes and uh yeah this one rich guy uh, died in a very suspicious circumstance and wanted to talk to the FBI before he died. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, and, I mean, they were just blown away. And he eventually said, well, we're going to be back this way in a few days. Um, do you, would you mind talking about some of this stuff on camera? And, like, that really, I thought, was weird. Like, that's awesome that... <laughs> I mean, in this mind, of course... In this mindset, I have no idea what's happening. I don't know that there's going to be a Hellier season two. I was hoping, you know? But, yeah. like... So, I, I'm thinking, oh, this is awesome. I asked them to do a bunch of stuff while they're here. Like, hey, can you be on my friend's podcast? Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Like, I was just so happy that they were in Somerset, you know? Oh, yeah, just coming through. And then, through. like... They eventually tell us that... I don't know. Like, they just asked to be on camera, and then, they, or if I can be on camera uh, talking about some of this stuff, and if I know anyone else that can talk about it. And so I was like, yeah, my friend Nathan. Uh, and so they come back in a few days, and then they film what you see there. And it wasn't until we get done filming in the museum that they mention, like, the, e the emails from Amy and the cult shit that they've gotten that ties into Hell Your Season 1 and all that. Like, oh, yeah. I didn't know any of that while they're asking me questions. And then we go over to Nathan at the studio and, like, he, they say don't say anything to Nathan about any of that until the end. And, like, so everything Nathan says there are just is just based on the questions that they're asking and then at the end they tell him about amy and they even go further into it at that point with both of us like the words that like stuck out to them that she said slough yeah, you know yeah, different things that. like that yeah and like that was just so mind-blowing but we didn't have she we didn't even know amy's name at that point you know That's insane and like so nathan and i have been working on uh well it's nathan's baby but i had been uh like interviewed a little bit but because of Hellier, now I have a much bigger part in it all. Yeah. But uh, Nathan had been working on the Penny Royal podcast, which is basically a year in the life of this town and the high strangeness. And it starts pretty innocently with a guy here locally that thinks that there's, he found meteorites in his yard. Well, <laughs> I uh, actually was talking to Nathan the other day because I was telling him about uh, hearing like four or five things enter the atmosphere uh when i was deer hunting really yeah and he was like what time frame was around that you know yeah yeah like asking me this and i was like well it was like late deer season you know like late november into december and uh he was like that's crazy man because everything that got me turned on to this uh this penny world podcast was um some guy telling me about meteors coming yeah. in around that area out there where i deer hunt yeah and that's i was like crazy. that's insane yeah and he's found them and like more than likely, it seems like they may not be meteorites, but he is absolutely set that they are, and, like, is even going to have the Smithsonian check him out. Like, I'm no shit. Yeah, That's like, cool. he is, like, and so that was, like, the very basis of the Penny Row podcast, and then eventually it gets into some of the, like, true crime rumors and stuff, and we were going to lightly brush on the cult stuff. Yeah. Like in in penny royal yeah and then hellier happens and like they ask us all this stuff 
And so we, I even know someone that claims to be a victim of these cults. And so I happened to ask her, like, the next time I saw her, like, hey, do you uh, know the word slough? (laughs) And she just, like, it took her a second, and then she almost, like, immediately starts crying. Like, and, uh, and, like, she's like, I haven't heard that word in a long time, blah, blah, blah. And then she tells me about the goblins and everything, and um, we're like, oh, crap, you know? And so we interview her, and, like, she says a couple specific, like, names that... Uh, and locate or no she gives us a location uh of where this stuff supposedly is happening and you know we're not super believing that she was you know we're yeah. we're still pretty sensible people you know we're not going to believe that she was uh just on her word like a victim of a cult where she was made to kill other children and stuff uh but then she like gives us uh, a location and i just go ahead and look up the location and it turns into this like three month long discovery that Nathan Darian and I have been doing um, of looking through like rumors that have been attached. Like, I don't know. I'll just give you some highlights like that. We have found like direct connections from Somerset and like big players in Somerset and the JFK assassination. Uh, yeah. I, I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We have found uh, ex-Nazis in the area. Oh um, my God. We've, we have found worldwide financiers creating uh, empires and moving them to Somerset, Kentucky and then dying in mysterious circumstances. And all this stuff is all related to what this one woman has told us and what the hell your people are looking at it's all like just drawing in yeah. to like one single destination yeah. one point in time like all this yeah is it is one destination boom. they <laughs> we like i said we had no idea what they were doing in hellier we didn't know that they were here doing rituals in our caves they we didn't know that i thought they came and visited me the first time and then went back to Hellier. And then a few days later when they came and filmed, I thought they were coming back from Hellier. Yeah. They were in Somerset the whole time doing the crazy shit we see in Hellier, yeah. uh, too, you know? Yeah. And, like, so those caves that they do the ritual in are literally less than a mile from the area we end up finding through our investigations of this cult activity. That's where I went out and looked and yeah. found that mines. And course, like we can't go into details about any of it, obviously, yeah. but But it's so like there we didn't know that Amy woman. We have been on a completely different path, but our trajectories have led us to exactly the same place in all this weird cult uh goblin like we don't want i i can't tell you sit here and tell you yes there is a cult in somerset kentucky raping children and murdering them and sacrificing them to uh old gods i cannot tell you that and i cannot tell you i absolutely even think it's possible but it absolutely is you know like it totally is yeah (laughs) like it's so (laughs) weird that I could even say that, like, I don't know. I We're very sensible, and this whole time I've been waiting for the one piece of evident, evidence to come out that, like, explains it all. Oh, well, these people are here because of this. Obviously, this is the n- normal reason why everyone was here. Yeah. But that piece of evidence still just hasn't been here. Like, we still haven't seen that, you know? Yeah. It's, uh, it's absolutely insane, the synchronicity of all of it. And, uh... You know, before two days before Hellier uh, two came out, I messaged Greg on Facebook and I told him about the Goblin story I told you, which you know will come out in the Penny World podcast as well. Yeah, hopefully if Nathan decides I'm <laughs> fortunate <laughs> enough to be in that thing because it's awesome all in itself, everything. But um, uh, you know, I told him about that like three, two or three days prior to the release of Hellier Two, and I told him about this cave we went in that had like stairs carved into it and stuff. And yeah. the rumor we had heard forever, you know, living in the area was that uh, there was a cult down there back in the forties and fifties, and they would slaughter like little kids and you know goats and stuff or whatever. But I always thought it was like you know for demonic purposes, like you know Satan kind of stuff. Yeah. But uh, then you know I start collectively putting everything together and then i'm watching hell your season two and like put my own story together and that's when i run into nathan one night down at jarfly and then i meet you and we all get to talking about this stuff and just like if if you got so many people 
that are putting their own little personal things together and it all pointing towards the same yeah spot yeah it's a puzzle we're putting together it's so and weird. you have a piece and they have a piece and we have a piece and the picture that it's putting together is not the picture that any of us thought was on the box when right. we started the puzzle you know yeah like, and it's just gotten so much crazier but all of these weird obscure pieces are fitting you know yeah it's it blows my mind <laughs> but dude uh it's the, it's that's not even a good analogy it's more like you have a puzzle and i have a puzzle and hellier has a puzzle and we're just taking pieces from our own puzzles and fitting them into a this ultimate puzzle that's making it completely different that's perfect yeah <laughs> that's yeah and i never really believed any like the pan stuff but i also believe like mythology and like things of that nature like of real olden days is like true stories that have been passed down yeah. like i think everything that's anything that's written down comes from somewhere when it comes to things like that yeah but you know i never really looked at pan and stuff like that and this god they keep talking about in hellier and stuff and then i figure out you know he's the woods god and, yeah you know he's he the basis of everything right now the the world's in a pandemic and that's absolutely where that word comes from we're all in a panic you know yeah like that's exactly where that word comes that's from. that's insane i didn't know that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like it's so crazy yeah one of uh one of the rumors or one of the things that people said about pan was that if you stared at him in the face he could make you go insane like create complete panic in you no shit yeah <laughs> <laughs> so that's crazy i i read i did some research about how like you know, hunters would go out and they would try to summon Pan and stuff like that. And how he was the uh, um, he was the sex god of the nymphs and stuff like yeah. that. And yeah, all he kinds was, of crazy shit. He was crazy. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like if he wanted to, you know, do something to you, that's exactly what he did. Yeah, you know, when he did roam the woods and stuff. And uh, I don't know, I never got into it before, but now I'm like having to do so much research just to get caught up. I mean, yeah. there's so much lore. There's yeah. so much strange things, and just like you said, the fact that like it is, it feels really special. This, there's something with this town, this county. Yeah, it just it feels like I've been to Waverly Hills Sanatorium, and that was creepy, and I got my own vibes from it. But you know, I've always had this strange feeling my whole life growing up here. Yeah, and you know, to turn turn the page, and all this stuff starts happening. Yeah, and all the things that even Nathan mentions in hellier and we are we'll go even further into death and penny royal but about the uh 37th parallel and uh what's known in nasa as the kentucky anomaly with our gravity situations we we have found even more maps and stuff of like weird things that have happened here the quartz that lays under all of our feet yeah amplifies everything like all of it just adds up to this perfect like little situation where i think we're not even the first people to realize this like i think that this is where all the rumors of the cult activity and all this comes from is all this weird energy that have been affecting the people in this area forever and i think it's just now coming to a head you know do you think there's like been some kind of ritual here in this one spot like long ago that's i absolutely do uh even in this area um to one of the native american tribes um kentucky and west virginia were basically the like where the abyss was the closest and the abyss is what you have to uh cross to get to their version of enlightenment or to the other world you know yeah and like it was the abyss is more prominent in their lore in kentucky than anywhere else like that we are closer to the abyss and so i mean well hell the other day we started looking into there are moonbow rituals from the native americans uh like we have the, at one point, there was two moonbows in the world, and we, uh, the other one was Victoria Falls, and they had an earthquake, and we now have the only moonbow left, uh, the only continuous reliable moonbow left in the world. They a- appear like at Niagara Falls sometimes and other things, but ours is the only one in the world that's at clockwork on specific days, and you can set a calendar to go no see it. No shit. And we have found Native American rituals that are based solely on the moonbow and that you that means you can't do them anywhere else in the world and that they have to do with the medicine wheel and like you get like for thousands of years people have came during the moonbow to get blessings and to and all this different shit and that's 
40 minutes from us right oh, now. Yeah. You yeah, know? It's like, right down the road. that's in our area where n- no one else in the world can do it. Wow. You know? And, like, it's just so crazy to me that, like, this area is just so rich with this stuff. And I think that the energy is just so different and that it reverberates in people's minds. That's what I believe a little bit more than even the cults, for the most part, is that we all, like, process energy and vibrations differently in our heads and the energy and vibrations are so much different here because of the courts and because of the gravity anomalies and all these other weird things that are happening that it affects people's minds differently that it is a strong energy and that the energy by itself is neither good nor bad it's just this super strong magical thing that people can interpret each other way like i don't think we live in a negative bad evil place at all i think we live in a beautiful magical I do place too. i think and what's weird is like late august it feels like that's when it's the strongest for me yeah. and and you know that's when i uh uh and like you said you think uh you can pull from it make what with your own brainwaves what you can and yeah you know it's so strange that you can be a negative person for so long and then the day you know you decide to be a more positive person if you apply those things you know physically they become yeah and i think this you know for me being here uh it was really strong for me as soon as i started wanting to be more positive person and i could like draw that energy and it helped me and everything around me in the physical world changed yeah and so i I totally believe it all yeah and i believe it can i think if someone wants to use the strong energy for negativity that it can be done and it has been done but i i think that it's all like your own intent like it goes back to your own personal intents and your own personal filters of how it reverberates in your own body you know yeah and like i think it like i don't think that's the biggest disagreement i have with the hell your stuff not that they even say it but like people on on like the reddit subreddit or the reddit uh sub for hell year um will say like this is an evil place they need to go shut it all down it's like no it's not an evil place it's a strong magical place but some people will be evil with it and like not everyone is we have beautiful like we have such an arts revival here that happens like this is bigger than most small towns arts communities like we have multiple art centers and we have dozens of artists that like we have murals being painted all over our oh, town. yeah, and like I think that that's just one example of the beautiful uh, energy, like being, like channeled for positive. You know, I agree, and I love it all. Exactly, <laughs> <laughs> I love all the positive vibes that you know I've gotten from the town, especially you know within the past couple of years. It seems like it's increased. Yeah, you know? yeah, absolutely. And I think that's just more people trying to pull from that energy. Yeah. Yeah, and and that I think it's maybe easier, uh, like easily accessible right now for some reason. You know, that's so cool. It's just more close to the top. You know. Yeah. Like like I said, I don't think six years ago I could have opened my museum in this town, and so it's just beautiful that we're in a place that can support like my museum. And there's several weirdos. There's your podcast. There's Lore Twenty. There's uh, the Paranormal Road Tripper in town. There's a couple Paranormal authors. Yeah. Like it's all existing even our zombie walk that has thousands I know, of like people the, come to it yeah like, <laughs> it's, and not only that but it survives all or it like supports the uniqueness of our arts like our arts living uh community and just has like we have distilleries coming here and i know breweries and, and it just keeps increasing we're getting bigger yeah and it's i definitely think that the liminal space of having like diversity of having these new things coming and it not just being the same business as usual helps to stir up the magic and keep it active you know yeah yeah i agree and i love your museum man thank i think you. it's awesome i love going in there awesome and thank you i think i've been i think we went twice and <laughs> like every time i go in i see something new yeah or something i didn't see the last time you know that i might completely missed and then you know there's things every time that draw to me like the new the uh the last time I went in the alien room, the UFO room, yeah, that one, dude, I couldn't stop staring. I was gonna spend <laughs> like three more hours in there just staring at stuff. I swear, but thank you. I, yeah, we're always trying to change it too, and like right now we're working on our online store and our website. 
Um, and then our next big project after that will be like making a self-guided experience. And part of that will be like a room that's our office and our gift shop now will be another display room. And like people oh, will just be able yes. to go through all three rooms. It will still only cost $3. Like <laughs> Look, I make donations just because I want to help. <laughs> Thank like, you. Yeah. If I can buy you a new mop, I will. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I appreciate that. But, yeah. And I encourage everybody to go down there, dude. What you got going on is really cool. Awesome. Everything Thank in you. there is fucking fascinating. Thank you. Yeah, sure. it's taken... Mm-hmm. Uh, we've been collecting for over 15 years, and some of the stuff was not like when we first started getting it we had no plans on doing anything like we'd go go some go send a house and they're like we don't want this doll anymore yeah and we're like okay i guess we'll take this doll <laughs> and then we end up with mannequins and you know uh, yeah. boxes and yeah i've seen it all and- but honest <laughs> to god i swear like i said every time i go in there i see something i didn't see the last time yeah <laughs> and it just captivates me but uh so uh you have a facebook page for the museum and everything like that yeah that people can follow com, and check out yeah facebook.com uh uh, slash International Paranormal Museum. Uh, our website is launched. It's still a work in progress right now, but it's just interna- internationalparanormalmuseum.com. So it will have almost all of our information on it. And uh, unfortunately, I don't know when you're going to air this, but we're going to be closed the next couple of weeks for the coronavirus. Yeah. And during that time, uh, I'm going to try to get our online store up so we can cool. so let people support us, hopefully, uh, <laughs> while, I'll be while supporting we're closed. You. I awesome. definitely will. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude, it was a pleasure having you on. Thanks yeah, for coming. Absolutely. Thank you so much. We'll have to do it again sometime. <laughs> yeah, of course. I, I know really you got a it. billion more stories to tell. Yeah. <laughs> I can tell. It's just. <laughs> oh, of course. <laughs> I love talking about this stuff. <laughs> All right, man. <laughs>